I caught sight of Devil's Tower upthrust against the grey sky as if in the birth of time the core of the earth had broken through its crust and the motion of the world was begun. There are things in nature that engender an awful quiet in the heart of man, Devil's Tower is one of them. Tilda N. Scott Mamaday. Bears Lodge, aka Devil's Tower, National Monument. Day 1, Evening. Wyoming and Bears Lodge were originally an afterthought, a place to visit to break the monotony of driving hundreds of miles in a relatively short span plus we didn't think we would need a whole lot of time for Teddy Roosevelt NP. Wrong on both accounts. Bears Lodge turned out to be an emotional highlight for me. The lesser-known Teddy Roosevelt National Park inspired awe in two days was not nearly enough to do either the north or south units of the magnificent park justice, but I get ahead of myself. Fresh out of the Badlands, we drove through the Black Hills via Sturgis, home of the annual Harley-Davidson Motorcycle Rally, via Deadwood, a once-famous cow town now a sad little strip filled with casinos and bars, and north through the stunning Spearfish Canyon where we took a side road that quickly turned to crushed gravel taking us by a film location for Dances with Wolves, aka St. Kevin Saves the Indians, does the white supremacist narrative never end? The film location was for a closing, snowy scene in the movie when wind in his hair yelled to Lieutenant Dunbar from on high, reminding him they were friends, a far cry from the early hostilities between the two. At the end of the gravel road, we came to a primitive campground with a dozenish sites. I would love to have camped there, despite the snow, to dwell in the alpine serenity. We could not linger very long, just a short walk for us and the dogs along a stream, because we wanted to hit up Bear's Lodge when the angle of the sun would maximize shadows where the great bear's claws had scraped the tower and the warm light would bring out the color of the stone erection. I knew we would be too late for a sunrise on the morrow so it was this night or never for optimal light. Out of Spearfish, we hopped back onto US 90 toward Wyoming exiting onto local roads at Sundance. The 27 miles on US Highway 14 to Bear's Lodge was a bit of a white knuckle, shocker. Not for the meandering road. For the countless herds of deer that seemed to be grazing over every rise, around every bend, behind every stand of trees. We easily saw a couple hundred deer and no telling how many were obscured by shadows. I feared it would be much more treacherous driving back down to our Airbnb in the small hamlet of Moorcroft after our initial visit to Bears Lodge. Upon arrival, the ticket booth was closed. We purchased an annual pass at Badlands so we're not scofflawing our way into the monument when we didn't deposit the entrance fee at the money box. The approach road passed a prairie dog town, sending our big dog into a tizzy, before winding up to the base of the monolith through a dense pine forest smelling fresh with a hint of vanilla. The forest had to include a healthy stand of ponderosa pines. The conditions were almost perfect for some impressive photos. The only missing element, ethereal clouds streaking across the deep blue sky emptiness. We took a short walk getting us closer to the lodge. Pictures from up close suffer from parallax. I can fix that, somewhat, using a photo editing software without affecting the integrity of the photograph. On the way out, we took a dirt road spur for a different perspective pulling off into a small parking lot. From this distance, parallax would not be a problem. I couldn't help but think the monolith was an earth bone sticking out from earth flesh. Of all earth's body parts, I love bones the most which is partly why I'm so strongly drawn to the four corners area where red bones in unimaginable variety are on full display. Prayer bundles in a kaleidoscope of colors adorned many of the trees. There were also a few dream catchers tied onto branches. Many, many offerings, such as the respect the First Nations peoples have for this holy place. Seeing all the prayer offerings, I knew I had to make my own offering. But it would need to wait until the following day. I had neither tobacco nor colored cloth handy. I made myself a tentative plan to find both in Moorcroft. 
If I was successful in my search, it meant the spirits would accept an offering from me, though I am not of the First Nations peoples. If not, well then it was not my place to make an offering. And that is okay. I don't want to insert myself where I'm not wanted. I would let the universe decide one way or the other. Day 2, Morning I woke early and headed to the local all-in-one gas station, food shop, gift store, coffee stand so common in small towns where there is not enough demand to support speciality stores. There I purchased a pink bandana and a pack of American Spirit cigarettes. Not a big fan of supporting big tobacco but I was in a bind. I wanted either loose tobacco but the store only carried it in a massive two-pound sack, I didn't have time for that much praying, or kinnikinnik which they did not carry at all. I could make do or make don't. Offering prayers to earth spirits is important to me. I made do. Driving the 30 miles back to Bear's Lodge the next morning, I mulled over my next dilemma. Do I place my offering in a tree within close proximity or further away but still inside of the monolith? The answer a matter of balance. Too close and I would be horning in on the space available to the First Nations peoples. Too far and the effectiveness of the prayer would be diminished. I opted for the tree on the dirt spur to balance respect and effectivity, balance not engaging in cultural appropriation without diluting prayer energy absorbed from Bear's Lodge. I would perform my own personal ceremony on the way out of the monument. Not having a great deal of time, we opted for the 1.3-mile tower trail loop, fully paved, easily accessible from the parking lot. We parked under the shade to keep the waiting dogs comfortable in the coolness of the day. Following an initial uptick in the trail, we turned left to walk the encircling path clockwise as per the tradition of the Plains tribes who believe they should follow the direction of the sun, clockwise. The walk was very easy, mostly under trees, with ample views of Bear's Lodge in varying light angles, including boulders and such for added visual texture. A bit past the half point off the path, we saw a tree, still standing, apparently devoid of life-carrying sap with more a good three-quarters of the bark sloughed off by the elements. It was once a massive tree. Gnarled branches starting at least three times my height grew perpendicular to the trunk. The instant I saw the tree, I knew I had to lay hands on her. A short scramble took me over small boulders all the way to her base. Her girth was too wide to wrap my arms around. As soon as I lay my left hand, I experienced a welling of emotion and an overpowering need to touch her with both hands. When my right hand made contact, the emotion dam burst unleashing shoulder-shaking sobs. It wasn't until decoupling that the emotion subsided. I was stunned. There was absolutely no warning my cup would overflow staining my cheeks, leaving streaks on tree smooth trunk that were absorbed into the wood before reaching the ground. I have not been able to get tree out of my mind since that day in early November 2021. Despite being dwarfed by Bear's Lodge, it rains huger in my head. Touching tree tapped me into a universe of powerful spiritual connectedness with the entirety of creation. There wasn't enough time to study, evaluate, and understand the depth and breadth of the union, only to experience an overwhelming emotional upswelling. The best I can figure, it ruptured my carefully constructed protective wall. If I had to assess my steady state emotional state it would be that my soul is cauterized, scarred to the extent I am unable to connect with anyone at a meaningful level. Superficially, the world is my oyster. Below the surface, a moat encircling thick ramparts walling in the David city. I have erected a fortified castle with a broad stone walkway on which I stand behind a parapet guarding against emotional entanglements that would expose my vulnerability. We finished our walk, albeit with my head mulling so high in the proverbial clouds I don't remember seeing much of anything else, hit up the visitor center to purchase some memorabilia then drove out to the target tree found the prior day. I wish I had the prayer bundle happy when we came to tree as that is where I felt strongest the presence of the great mystery. But the bundle was still in separate pieces in the car. 
the pine tree where I would be attaching the physical prayers for slow release into the universe, thankfully, was devoid of distracting people. There would be no interruption in my personal prayer ceremony. Not being completely alone, my wife was with me, meant I would need to attach the bundle and leave before my soul was ready to part ways. I tied the pink bandana to a low branch along with a smattering of other offerings. It felt a good balance between respect for First Nations ways and effectivity of prayers. This act also brought tears to my eyes giving credence to my belief I was connecting spiritually with creation. We decided on a western spur to exit the park which ended up being a dead end. However, the universe conspires to bless those with open spirits. The dead end was next to the framework for a sweat lodge setting my heart aflutter. The sweat lodge is central to the Lakota Anipi ceremony. Anipi means to live again and is the Lakota word for the sweat lodge. The Anipi ceremony is a purification rite necessary for helping a vision quest seeker enter a state of humility from which a kind of spiritual rebirth occurs. This trip, especially this very day, I have felt on the cusp of a spiritual bloom. The barrier keeping the bloom in a tight butt is a lack of focused and meditative solitude necessary as sunshine to grow a bright floral garden. I crawled into the Anipi, sat facing Bear's Lodge, did my best to still my soul, and listen to the winds. It did not take long for an faint vision to enter my mind's eye. It showed me buying a ceremonial pipe from Pipestone's resident craftsman then returning to this very spot to offer up Kinnikinnik smoke prayers. The powers of the universe, earth, water, fire, and air would then infuse my being with universe energies gifting me mental strength and power. With this final act, I felt emotionally energized. We left Bears Lodge for the near 300-mile drive to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Closing as I am writing this two months later, tree still holds an important space in my mind. The connection was so powerful, is so in need of further exploration, I will be altering my sabbatical road trip plans to include Bears Lodge with the sole purposes of interacting with tree then offering prayers in the Anipi as was foretold in my vision and must be played out to reap the full benefits. This trip, so far, especially the foray into Bears Lodge, continued building, rebuilding, the intimate earth connection of my younger days. It became re-apparent to me, my spirituality is deeply rooted in nature. Nature is my door to spiritual connectedness with the great mystery undergirding all existence in the multiverses or pluriverses or whatever all of everything is called. By everything I mean to include all corporeal and non-corporeal existences on your where in all galaxies, visible and invisible, wherein the collective is the ultimate being of which, you and I, are but microcosms which makes each of us the ultimate. This trip piqued the connection, scratched the surface allowing me to revel in brief moments of earth consciousness. It also exposed, to me, the massive chasm between my soul and Earth's soul. I know the answer to bridging the chasm. Knowing the answer does not necessarily mean it will be easy to enact the answer, though, it is an important bit of knowledge without which enactment would be extremely difficult to impossible save for happy accidents, aka, deus ex machina, an utterly contemptible story plot technique, and not how I will allow my quest to play out. The answer is to spend deeper time in outdoor meditation. Not the legs crossed own meditation. No. The meditation of sitting with nature, possibly near an ancient tree on the decaying side of growth, contemplating the landscape with scouring eyes, possible throwing a line into chilled waters hoping a fish will rise to the offering and satisfy a famished belly, resting in the shade of a giant saguaro, or tucked beneath an overhang of a red rock cliff deep in a solitary canyon. The key opening is contained in's words, Salayatri, Solitude, Seclusion, I. Salation. January 1, 2022. To be continued at Theodore Roosevelt N.P.